Well, good evening, Centerpoint Church, or good morning, depending on when you are watching this. Uh, we're so glad that you guys are joining us today for church, um, and uh, so thank you for joining us. Right, right now, wouldn't you just, uh, why don't you just check in with us? Just put your name in the chat. Let us know that you're watching and that you're here with us. Um, we have pastors that are online right now, and the prophetic team and the prayer team are ready to be praying for you, and so if you have any requests, prayer requests, put those in the chat. And let's keep the chat live today. Um, we are so glad that you guys are joining us for episode 10 of our series, The Resistance. And um, my name is James, if I haven't introduced myself or if you're not familiar with who I am. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve as taking care of uh, the next gen, which is children's, youth, and young adults. And I have uh, the opportunity from Pastor John to give the word uh, this weekend. And so I'm excited to wrap up the Resistance series. And, um, and so why don't we pray together right now and um, let's just position our heart and get ready for God's word. God, we just thank you for today, God, that there is a million reasons that we are not even aware of, God, that could have taken us out. But Lord, because of your amazing love and your amazing grace, God, you have shielded us. You have protected us. God, you have lifted us out and out of things that have tried to contain us, Lord. We trust you, we ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Would you speak and come, Holy Spirit, right now and do what only you can do today, God. And as we wrap up this series, The Resistance, God, I pray we would take our place as the resistance and that we would choose to fight the good fight of faith and to make an impact and a difference in the world today that um, 2020 will not be the end of us, but will be the beginning of something new. God, we trust you, we love you, we honor you, God, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, I am recently uh, celebrating the ninth month now of Abel being alive, my son. Can you believe it's already been nine months? Doesn't it just feel like that was just yesterday I was up here ranting about how I'm so nervous about becoming a dad? And, um, and I was reflecting on all of the different things that have been happening um, and all of the information and feedback that you have given me, thank you very much, parents, that uh, over the years um, you've been telling me, when are you gonna have kids? And Brooke and I weren't sure and uh, when or if and how that was going to happen. But well, we knew how it was going, Never mind. Um, but what I wanna say though about this is that we started uh, kind of taking mental notes of everyone telling us, hey, there's one thing that you need to know as a parent. And um, it's amazing how everyone thinks there's one thing, but we all have something different of the best advice we can give to new, new parents. And um, one of the things that I learned through all of this is that you should absolutely block the staircase. And, um, and so I got a video clip from Brooke today and I wanna show it to you on the screens or right now, fix your eyes. Check this out. I've never seen him do this. This is literally brand new. <laughs> Say hi. I love how Brooke's laughing. Evil, <laughs> we're in trouble. Stop. That is the face of a guilty child right there. That face, the look back right there was just amazing. And, and you know, it's true that there's a lot of one things. There's a lot of things that we can learn and take away. And I've been, uh, I've been doing a lot of processing recently as a father, and I've been thinking about how 
Um, some of the things I've been learning, I've been learning how when my son cries in the middle of the night and the doors close and he thinks that no one can hear him, um, through the baby monitor, I'm able to hear him upstairs and how that correlates with that's just like our Abba Father that even when we don't think anyone can hear us, he hears us in every cry and he kicks down any door that stands in the way and comes and rescues us because he's a good, good father. You know, there was another example of this. Uh, my son is learning my voice. He's learning to hear me. And so when I say his name now, he actually turns around and looks and he crawls to me. And it's so much like this with our father, isn't it? That we're learning to hear the voice of God because God speaks to us. And sometimes he speaks through wisdom and sometimes he speaks through just an inner knowledge, just a, a, an utterance of words that we can't explain, but there's just this knowing of God communicating with us. And, you know, just recently I was, I was driving home and it was a long day at work and it was Monday, this last Monday, and I'm driving home and I'm, I'm, I'm resetting my brain. I'm telling myself, okay, when you get home, you have about an hour to an hour and a half before you have to put down Abel you know, to bed. And so as I'm driving home, I'm resetting my heart, I'm resetting, I'm cutting off things that didn't need to be there. Just so when I come into the house, Brooke doesn't have my leftovers and you know, I'm coming into the house. And so as I'm driving right to my driveway, I'm having these thoughts and I'm thinking, okay, I need to, I need to put Abel down. I need to be present. I need to do all these things. And I felt God stop in that moment and say to me, it's not that you have to do these things. It's that you get to do these things. It was like this moment hit me and God just began to speak to me. He said, look, I know you're looking at a lot of things that need to happen, but there's really only one thing that matters. It's being present. And he's showing me, he's saying, you know, there's a lot of people that, that, that want to have kids but can't. And, and I found myself in this moment saying out loud, I get to be a father. I get to come home and be a husband. I get to come home and be present and I get to come home and be with my best friend and do life with her. And I just felt this shifting in my heart that it's not that I have to do these things, it's that I get to do these things. And, and it changed everything. And, and today we're gonna be talking from the subject title, The One Thing. The One Thing. So let's keep the chat live today. I wanna see those in the comments right now. Would you just type right now, The One Thing, The One Thing. The one thing, um, Brooke was asking me a question this last week as we were driving home. Um, I got away for a couple of days and, and she was asking me the question, you know, who's your favorite Bible character? And you can't ask a pastor those kind of questions because we just get way too deep into it. There's no simple explanation for it. And I found myself not giving her an answer and started thinking about it yesterday and the day before that. And, and I arrived at a person in the Bible that I was surprised by my response. And that person ended up being Mary Magdalene, which is very interesting. And today we're gonna to talk about Mary Magdalene. We're gonna talk about a story in the Bible that I think is going to relate to you. It's going to relate to me and it's gonna tie in this whole series, The Resistance. Um, in order to do so, I do have to do uh, 
about 10 verses of reading in different passages today. So put on your biblical running shoes and let's get ready to go. So John chapter 12, verse one through three, it's gonna be on the screens for you. It reads this. Six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he had raised Lazarus from the dead. They had prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served, Lazarus and Mary were among these at the table. And Mary, everybody say Mary, or type it in the chat, Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. You know this story if you've been to church for quite some time. That's John's interpretation of it, and he brings up Mary in it. Now let's go to Luke's interpretation of the same passage of scripture. Luke writes it this way, though. Same passage, same event, just from someone else's perspective. Luke, the doctor, writes this. Afterwards, a, religious, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation, and when he went to Simon's house, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to be a prostitute. When she had heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster filled with the most expensive perfume and went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all of the guests. So John writes about this person is Mary. And then we see that Luke writes about that this person, though is unnamed, is an immoral woman, a sinful woman, a prostitute known throughout the town for being promiscuous, sexually immoral. And I, and I wanted to grab that information before we dive into the scriptures today and the passage that we're going to dissect. And so we pick up today, and you can turn there with me, it'll be on the screens if you don't have a Bible. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. We read four verses, share a few thoughts. Read, we read this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all of these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take that privilege from her. I love that Jesus says, Mary has discovered the one thing, and that will not be taken from her. 
So maybe you've read this story before, and, and, uh, and I want to just kind of create the scene right here. We have, we have the kitchen over here. We have this small, compact house uh, that was a fisherman's village area where people were known for, for visiting and fishing and traveling. So we have travelers from all over, and Martha and Mary live in this house Although it is interesting that Lazarus is not mentioned in this passage of scripture, but we know that Martha and Mary's brother is Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead. And we see that Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. And as he heads into this fisherman's town, he is welcomed by Martha. Martha says, Jesus, come into my house. And it says that the disciples are with Jesus, but it doesn't mention the disciples entering the home of Martha. We just see that Jesus shows up. And so the only people we have with the kitchen here and the living room right here and probably some bedrooms upstairs is we see Jesus enter the house and he comes and he sits. And then we hear and we smell the cooking in the kitchen and we have Martha who's probably got her apron on and she's cooking and she's, she's trying to get the house prepared and in order and, and maybe that's because maybe the disciples were coming back but only Jesus entered at first. We don't know but the text mentions that there's many guests that are coming and yet Martha is preparing something and she's busy. But then we see over here while Jesus is sitting, we see Mary. The Mary that we just read about that was known in the fisherman's town to be a prostitute. The woman who was known to have a reputation that preceded her, this woman was not helping Martha that was customary and important for the women to do in this time period. But we, instead we see an immoral woman, a rebellious woman, a, a, a backsliding woman. We see a woman who, who, quite frankly, if I was assessing this, I would say may not even have known or worshiped God. And we see Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And not just sitting at the feet of Jesus, but in this moment, we see that, that Mary is positioning herself to learn from the rabbi. See, Jesus is a rabbi. In other words, Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived because he is the word made flesh that in the beginning was the word and the word dwelt within him. And so the word is preaching the word. Hey, the word is preaching the word and Mary is fascinated. Mary is Captivated. Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And unfortunately, the story doesn't tell us what Mary and Jesus were talking about, but my, my assumption would be that Jesus knows Mary so well that he is speaking straight to the heart. Jesus' time in this house is very momentary. It's only for a split meal, and we don't know if he was staying in town or traveling on, but Jesus ceases the moment. He sees a heart that is broken. He sees a heart that needs surgery. And, and, and he walks into the house, and he sits with Mary. And now let me just back up and, and share this with you. In this time period, it would be extremely inappropriate for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi. In fact, rabbis would explain, as I was doing my studying, I was learning that rabbis would view teaching a woman as a waste of time in this time period. And yet, while Martha is preparing a gift of a meal and probably cooking some bread, the bread of life is in the other room teaching. 
And we see that, that, that because the scripture says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Mary is, is in this moment of watching and listening, and it says she's absorbing every revelation that is coming from him. And in this moment, Martha is frustrated, right? She, you know the story, she, she, she puts off her apron, she comes over into the other room, and she interrupts Jesus. Martha, she's probably an eight. She's a challenger on the Enneagram, right? Like she, she comes into the room, she interrupts Jesus, and then she invites Jesus into a family um, quarrel, which is, would be very inappropriate in this time period, right? And so we see Martha is inviting Jesus to resolve the conflict between her and her sister and saying, hey, tell Mary to come help me in the kitchen. You know, I started to think about this and I was thinking, how many times have I felt uncomfortable in a conversation and escaped to say that I had things to do? You know, I wonder if Martha was uncomfortable with what Mary and Jesus were talking about and Martha escapes to the kitchen to cook and then comes to rescue her sister. Or maybe it was that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home and was trying to do the right thing or what she thought was right was to serve her guests and yet Mary is not doing anything except sitting at the feet of Jesus. I have a point and observation I'd like to give you today and it's this, resist the distractions and practice his presence. Resist the distractions and practice his presence. You know, what's interesting about this story is that we don't know how it ends. We don't know if, if Mary got off the, the rug and came into the kitchen and helped Martha finish dinner. We don't know if Martha turned off the stove and finally came and sat down. But what I can gather from this story, and I hope you see this observation, is this, is that Martha invited Jesus into her home. Martha was serving Jesus and serving people, and yet busyness kept distance from him. I think we could get so busy today in 2020 that we can actually be distant from God. And I think that this, if I had to make um, a statement, I would say this is that, yes, spiritual warfare is very real, but I think sometimes it is our own demise, it is our own separation from Jesus that brings spiritual warfare into our lives. We see that Martha is in the kitchen cooking, serving Jesus, and yet she is so distant. Her heart is hardening in this moment, and yet her sister's heart is going under open heart surgery. And she comes into the room and she interrupts him. And, you know, just this last week I was driving home that same story as I was thinking about how I need to come in and I need to be present and I need to, you know, be with my family. I get to be with my family. And as I grabbed my son and I took him to bed and I closed the door to keep the dogs out and I'm feeding him his milk, God spoke to me again and he shared something else with me. He was showing me that when I'm with my son, because it's the end of the day, my mind is somewhere else. And he was showing me that this is a present, precious moment. And so I had to stop thinking about all the things I should have said differently throughout the day and how I could have handled this situation differently and how I have this going on tomorrow. And I just stopped and I began to practice being present. 
And it was almost like as if how a mother a child in the womb can feel the emotions, so can your child in your lap feel your emotions. And I didn't wanna project that onto him, and so I just began to bless him. I just began to look into his eyes as he looked in mine, as he took down that six ounce bottle of milk because he's a champ. (laughs) And I just began to be present with him, and I just thought that that was so important because you know what? At the end of the day, when we get into worry, we have great intentions. I mean, if you think about it, the things we worry about, it's because we care. When you think about it, I, I, I worry sometimes about work and church and people, and, and it's because of my heart that really cares, but the thing is, is that all those things come secondary. The one thing that mattered most in that moment was being a present father. See, I worry about work and you might be worrying about your job and your family and your kids and providing for them and working long hours and all that stuff is great, but we can give things to our kids or we can be present with our kids. See, we could give gifts and still be an absent father or an absent mother. And Jesus, though he appreciates the gift of the meal that is coming, he appreciates discipling hearts even more. And so he spends time with Martha and there's something that I wanted to point out that is so crucial and important. The same woman that the disciples and other people and other rabbis would not uh, teach her, this is the same woman that began to go on the Jesus tour ministries and began to proclaim the gospel message. That's the woman that was the prostitute known in a town was then touring with Jesus and teaching and leading people. The same woman, the same woman that sat at the feet of Jesus and was listening to him teach, later on would be the same woman who made it all the way to the cross and knelt at the cross. Don't ever judge someone and think that they won't make it to the cross. Even a prostitute and a sinful woman can make it there with seven demons. I think there's room for us too. The same woman, the same woman that, they, that people thought it was inappropriate to teach on Sunday morning was at the tomb and Jesus came and he met with her and he said, go and tell the others that I have risen. The woman that was known to be a prostitute and an immoral woman, if you think about it, became the first evangelist. Jesus' words to Mary in that moment on Sunday, he says, she said, he says her name and she clings to him and he says, don't cling to me, I'm about to go to be with the, uh, I haven't ascended yet to be with the Father. And he says, go and tell the others. The first woman, the first person, can we just back up and just think of this? While everyone else thought it wasn't important to teach women, Jesus used a woman as the first person to speak that he is risen because it just shows that God values all people. God sees all of us as his children. And and Jesus saw something in Mary 
in that house that he said, I need this woman. I need the type of woman that will kick down the door and break open an alabaster jar and in the presence of religious spirits will say, this is what extravagant worship looks like and shift the paradigm in that moment. He needed a type of woman that would go to the cross when Peter neglected and the others ran away. She made it there to the cross. She was present to hear his final words as he breathed his last breath. This is the gospel message. No one is too far from God's grace. God loves all people. God wants all people. God is zealous about all of us. So let's not get distracted. Let's practice the presence. Let's practice being present. Let's practice being with Jesus. You know, we don't know how the story ends. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask Jesus to, to share with me what, what happened. Did, did Martha stop cooking? Did you make bread appear? Did, did Mary uh, start serving? And, and I think that the important thing to note is this, guys, I've heard this teach before, and a lot of times people think, well, then it's just better to sit than it is to serve. No, that's not actually the moral of the story. Jesus did not rebuke Martha. Jesus was inviting Martha. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to say, I think we can do church and still be distant from Jesus. Because if you think about it, when we all got saved and we all started you know, getting plugged in, we made new friends and it became a new group and it became this whole new thing. But it's amazing how when 2020 happened and COVID happened and we realized there are people going off the deep end, it's not because they were connected so much with Jesus, it's that they, they, they viewed inviting Jesus in and serving some people as spiritual health. But the, the story shows us in the text that Jesus was invited in by Martha. Martha was serving people and serving Jesus and yet she was still distant from him. And I can see it now that what we need to do is we need to reset. We need to recognize that you know what? 2020 is a blessing. I don't want us to exit out of this year and think wow 2020 ruined my life. I wanna exit out of this season and be able to say 2020 helped me put things back in perspective. 2020 helped me recognize it's not even about all the things that I can do well or just doing more things. It's about knowing that I'm a child of God. It's about knowing that I'm, I'm deeply loved, that he's present with me, that despite the things that I don't speak about or the things that I'm going through, he's willing to sit with me and work with me through it and say, you know what, son, I got so much more in your future. And God wants you to know he's got greater plans for your future. He's got greater things in store for you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up today. There's greater things ahead. Do you believe it? That the best days are ahead of us and not behind us. I believe it. I believe that right now the enemy just wants you to think that because you're not serving, you know, the fact is, there's not a lot of opportunities to serve these things, you know? And yet it's showing us that it's actually about something different. It's about beholding Jesus, being present with Jesus. It's amazing how we can go to church and we can come into a room and we can, we're so sensitive to knowing that he's here, but we can be like Martha sometime, can't we? where it's like, we're like, okay, he's here and he's touching lives and he's healing people, but we don't go sit down. 
but we don't go and be present. And you know, the thing about this story is this, Martha's not really mentioned much else after this, but Mary's legacy continues on. You know why? Because when we practice being in the presence of Jesus, new things unfold in our lives. We talk about Mary Magdalene still to this day. And that's the amazing thing about the gospel message, guys. I hope you hear me today. This is not a rebuke. This is not shame. I'm asking you to receive the invitation to start being present with Jesus again. You know, it's amazing how we could use the excuse, oh, I'm too busy. You know, I got like my job and I got my kids and, you know, I, I travel all the time and I'm always on the airplane and, you know, or I, I'm, I'm, I got two businesses and all these excuses. And then 2020 happened. And now we don't have the excuse to say we're too busy. So what's the excuse now? Why can't we be more present with Jesus? Why can't we practice beholding him? I wanna tell you that it's not a calendar issue, it's a priority issue. Martha's priorities was focusing on the many things, while Mary's priority was focusing on the one thing. So it's not about serving being wrong, because in the paragraph before that, it's about the good Samaritan man who, who is rescued by someone that is, or the good um, Jewish person who is rescued by a Samaritan person and, and helps him. And Jesus said, it is good that he did these things. And then the next paragraph, it shows that Martha is serving and we think that Jesus was rebuking her for serving. He, he's not, he's, it's not that serving's good or bad. It's just that when we place serving at a higher place than being with Jesus, that's where we miss the mark. My wife and I were having coffee this, uh, this week and I was talking to her about it and she said, it's like we think that serving people is where we get our fulfillment. When really, we serve people so they will be fulfilled. We've already been fulfilled because we've been present with Jesus. And I was like, homegirl, say that again. Let me take out my notes and write that down. I sipped my coffee three times. I was like, you preach the message. She should. We should do a tag team message sometime. But we need to learn to resist the distractions and practice his presence. And I just really wanna ask you this question, is this, what is pulling you away from him? What is pulling you away? The word distraction, as we, as we extrapolate it and we look into the definition behind the original text, we learn that the word distraction here means to be pulled away. I just wanna ask you, is there things in your life that are pulling you away? Is there things that you've placed higher than him? Maybe this is an opportunity where, because COVID isn't over and we're still in the middle of this, there's still time to finish resetting. I, I truly believe that it's, it's, some people say, you know, put God first and then your family and then the church and all the other things. But I think it's, we need to learn to put God first in our family, put God first in our marriage, put God first in our job and workplace. It's about learning to be with him in every situation with every group of people. They're not, there's not a disconnect. We need to learn to practice being present with him and to resist the distractions. So. This week, I'm commissioning you and blessing you and asking you to do this. Don't just let this be a teaching. 
Put this into practice. Create this as a habit in your life that every day you're gonna carve out time to be with Jesus. And even when it is unscheduled, that is the best time. When you're walking into your house or driving home or going to the grocery store, or working out at the gym if they are open or going out for a run or whatever it looks like, be aware that God is ever present. Practice paying attention. Resist the distractions and practice the presence. That is my word of encouragement and my word for you today as we wrap up episode 10 of the Resistance series. I would love to pray with you right now in this place. Listen, hey, if you're watching online right now and you have not given your life to Jesus, you have not made the decision to be like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to behold him, to be present with him, to to welcome his words and to welcome him who is the word into your life, to transform your life, then I wanna give you an invitation to make that decision today. You know, we can make a thousand reasons for why we don't feel like we're good enough, and yet we see in the story that even a prostitute, sinful woman, Jesus wanted her, and Jesus wants you. He wants you very badly. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus today and say, you know what, I need to repent of my sins, I need to turn to God, I need to ask him to save me and be the Lord of my life, then why don't we pray together right now You can text the word if you want Jesus to 951-397-2254. Or you can leave a comment and let us know that you've made a decision to give your life to Jesus. Either way, we will celebrate with you. But right now in this precious moment, turn your attention to him and let's practice the presence. Let's resist the distraction and let's pray. Just speak to Jesus right now and just say, hey Jesus, God, I want you to be in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and where I've missed the mark. Ask you, Lord, to pour out your blessings and your love over me. I need you more than I need breath itself. So God, I just ask that you would lead me toward a life-changing connection. From this day forward, I choose to believe that I am deeply loved. I am yours. And there is greater days ahead for me. In Jesus' name, amen.